Welcome everybody, this is Supreme Decisions, and you are tuned in to the Supreme Decisions Legal Minute Podcast. Now, this is technically, I believe, episode four in our season three, which is one, I'm doing 25 episodes prior to the end of the year. Now, with that being said, I've talked about a couple of things. And those things that I've spoken about mostly deal with putting the police officer's character on trial. Now, the reason why we're doing that, because again, we're going into a series of weaponizing your defense. Now, I often talked about yesterday the cause and effect type deal the karma, so to speak, or even the actual addressing real issues in real time. Now, today is going to be the second rung of the pyramid. Because just as we're introduced to our criminal justice system or even our justice system, we're done that's done through policing the second tier is the prosecutor now one of the things that we talk about when we deal with prosecutorial anything is the issue of prosecutorial discretion now many of us have no clue no real idea or most of us as police apologists have no real understanding i believe of the word discretion because discretion is one thing that is simply done as choice now in this we've watched time and time again where a police officer is encounter someone that's doing a particular crime and they get away and one of the things we refer to if they're if it's a heinous crime and they're taken to McDonald's after they've killed nine people. Like, yeah, that's very white of you. Or we hear about someone being shot in the back nine times. And it's could have been a might have thought of at some point I believed was a gun turned out to be a cell phone we think about a young man between the ages of 16 and 30 that's being shot in the back that's a minority and generally dark skin and we accept that as the norm but let's say we talk about the context of let's say someone who is not breaking the law Yet, I talked about the criminalization of life. Because now, just as I talked about putting the police officer's character on trial through their own discretion, I'm now talking about the prosecutorial discretion and why you're requesting these things. Because when you're actually being criminalized by choice, 
I'm going to say that one more time because most of you are going to miss that. Things are being criminalized by choice. The prosecutor chooses what cases they're going to prosecute. Because you remember I told you I'm going after the source, which the source is the first encounter. Now I'm going after choice because in this series that I'm doing with the 25, I'm actually going to talk about this thing called harmless error because that is the one thing the prosecutor relies on when they're making their choice or exercising their prosecutorial discretion. Because at the time of this, when we're requesting discovery, we're doing things that have the appearance of a fair trial because we're following and applying or even looking for due process. And the question that was posed to me, what is due process when everything is a crime? Everything starts off with a foundation. Part of your foundation is the request for discovery. I'm going to say that one more time. Part of your foundation is a request for discovery. Most people have no clue exactly what that is. But when I talk detailed discovery, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the foundational issues of due process. I'm going to say it one more time. I'm talking about the foundational issues of due process. Now, when I'm asking for those things that are discretionally held by the prosecutor because of their choice, most prosecutors are posing an increased threat to actual justice. Because if you remember yesterday, I had someone tell me, oh, well, why would you give these criminals a way out of jail? My thing is, when you have people making conscious choices to criminalize those they choose, how can you then not say that there are innocent people that are being incarcerated by this choiceful system? When I give you the actual numbers of those that are in prison based on not criminal activity, but the simple activity of being not able to make bail when an officer makes a choice that what they did was arrestable. Not that they've done something that is arrestable. Don't hear me now. Don't hear me. I don't want you to listen to that. Don't listen to that because that makes too much sense. Because that then is picked up by a prosecutor and when you ask for it, you're the problem. Because remember I said that when we're trying to sit up here and have conversations and we're trying to as an adult, tell our side to someone who doesn't care about it. We're doing that in the street. We're doing that with someone who has no wherewithal of understanding what actually is criminal and what is not. And then when we're going to seek this said justice, we're going to explain our side to another adult who does not care. They're actually rewarded for criminalizing your life. And they're making a choice that your act was criminal. Now, everyone has the right to face their accuser. Everyone is entitled. They are entitled to a vigorous defense. 
Very few people actually can afford one. I'm going to say that again. You're entitled to a vigorous defense. Very few people can actually afford one. And that itself is becoming a due process issue. Why? Because a prosecutor's discretion, a prosecutor's choice to not turn over something, and most people have no idea how to make them turn it over or how to even bring it up. Because, again, I'm going to bring up my conversation to my young man in Georgia. I showed him the Georgia statute, the one that the actual attorneys, all attorneys, criminal, um, civil, prosecutors, or defendants, all these attorneys have to abide by the Georgia Organic Code. In the Georgia Organic Code, under hearsay, it offers hearsay evidence is evidence that is unchallenged. How do you challenge it? You do it in writing. Any motion or any right that is not exercised in writing is one that is forfeited. So anything that is not challenged prior to, you can never bring up later. This is why most people, whenever they are locked up and they're put on death row and all these, because again, the death row inmates, 66% of them are not guilty of the crime that they're in prison for. That's why they're getting out because they're getting out on the first leg of the appeal by ineffective assistance of counsel. I'm gonna say I, I had to pause right there because I want you to catch that. You know what? I want you I want you to take a minute because I'm gonna take a deep breath with you. I'm going to sit back because I forgot to tell you guys. Make sure you got your pen and paper. Make sure you poured your yak. Whichever your yak of choice is. Today my yak of choice is the is the henny. I'm getting a little bit of henny. I'm getting it straight because that's how I am. Because I'm too fat to chase anything. But I want you to understand. Get ready. I am going to go in just a little bit. I'm not going to go in deep. It's not one of those nights. But today. I'm going to give you what you want. I'm going to make sure. That this is everything that you need. Everything you desire. Everything that opens your eyes. Because remember. In order for you to be free. Your mind first must be open. There is no spoon. I'm making sure you understand that there is no spoon. Because you can't argue with yourself, but well, I want to make sure you get one. Get you a little sip. Go and take a sip. We're going to pause just for a second. Go and take you a little sippy sip. Ah, yes, sir. Now, when I talked about the discovery, the reason why I, I didn't even realize, I think I said this earlier, I didn't realize I had so many discovery um, shit, what do you call that? Videos and podcasts. However, if we're building a house, we have to have a stable foundation because the foundation determines how high the house can be built. You didn't hear what I just said. We have to have a stable foundation, but the foundation determines how high we can build up. So when we're building and we're starting with the base of the discovery request, the prosecutor's choice to even take this case came from that police officer. If we're challenging now the police officer's word, we're challenging the police officer's character, we're challenging the police officer's ability to do his job properly, or her, or they. 
we are challenging the act of the criminal choice. The prosecutorial choice. That is the issue. Because oftentimes, most of us have it where we'll request discovery, nothing happens, and we forget what goes next, or we have a defense that is deficient in acting on what is supposed to come next. And what's funny is in your state's organic criminal code, it tells you what is coming next. One of the things I even gave you guys was a motion for sanctions. Why? Because you have a playbook directly in front of you. You have all the answers to the plays. You have all the procedures that are necessary, which you're supposed to follow right there in front of you. But the thing is, you're trusting someone else to do it for you. Why? Because either fear or the lack of understanding or you're accepting the programming that someone else is going to do it right and you forget that piranha don't eat piranha. And in this case, you may need an out-of-town shooter, someone that is not loyal to the bar, someone is that not loyal to the court. However, you understand the game and know how to play it to win because that's another issue because most of us understand that this is a game. This is a game for revenue that has nothing to do with law or criminality. But when we're talking about justice and due process, we have to understand that there is something that is going on that must be followed. It's not a choice. And if it's not followed, there are penalties behind it. But you also have to have someone that's willing to actually walk you through the door. Because just like Morpheus told Neo, I can't make you choose and I can't push you through. It's your choice. You choose what you're willing to sacrifice. You choose what you're willing to go through. You choose how deep down the rabbit hole you go. That's why these podcasts are so long. Because you can actually turn them off. You know, we turn them off. But you can understand. When we're getting into this realm, we're talking about the, the guise of malicious prosecution. Again, things I'm going to talk about in the 25. Yeah, I got 21, 21 more coming. So you know it's coming. Because when we're weaponizing them against them, the enemy of my enemy is not my friend. It is a tool I use to destroy them both. Understand that. Understand that because many of you was like, okay, well, cool. Then you me my enemy is my friend. No. Still your enemy because you don't know their enemies. And you have no idea why they are actually enemies. Use the tools. And even like I told you in one before, don't take me for granted. That's the one thing that I always tell everybody. You sit down and you have access to one of the greatest who, that have ever done it. You have access. You have direct access. Don't take me for granted. I'm here now. The questions that you have, ask them now. Because this moment won't be here forever. These actions won't be here forever. This knowledge won't be here forever. Will there be somebody after me? Absolutely. There always is. Even Neo understands, oh, I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one. 
It's been ones before you. There'll be ones after you. They just have to go through it differently. But notice I said they go through it. Many of you actually just gravitate to someone who's talking about it rather than that's going through it. You're standing in the shadow, in the valley of the shadow of death instead of going through it. Don't worry about it. I'm going to come back because one of the things, one of the tactics, because again, I talk about this all the time, is one, you not knowing what to do next, how to enforce. Because even with the motion for sanctions, what do I do next with that motion? Because you have to understand the duties of a prosecutor. Prosecutors rewarded for the wins. A win is a plea. Now, I talked about Young Thug and the idea because it's literally 10 years later after I was charged with RICO in Atlanta and won my case. I talked about some of the mistakes or or things that the attorney for Young Thug was not pointing out, didn't have you know in front of him at the time and wasn't doing. Well, since then, he's done a, a lot of things that actually attempted to help Thug. Now, how is he being hindered by prosecution? Well, one of the things that the prosecution is doing is allowing, or Thug's attorney is allowing continuations after filing a speedy, mo uh, speedy trial motion because in Georgia, it's 72 days, which even Fanny spoke about, the DA. She spoke about the 72 days or technically 90 days which is three months, that Thug had to have been in front of a judge for a trial because that's what a speedy trial is. He has a right to that. His attorney actually did file that. However, once he allows one continuation, the speedy trial goes away. I'm going to say that again. Once a continuation is allowed in the midst of a speedy trial the speedy trial motion actually goes away and you are waiving that right that right has been waived by the but what they're doing is they got gunner gunner took an alfred plea gunner from his pr information doesn't fully understand an alfred plea yes he's maintaining his innocence However, he doesn't understand how his enemy is using him and he has no idea how the other piranha that's on his team is using him in conjunction with the prosecution against Thug. I'm going to give you a quick rundown on this because I want you to understand the people next to you are not always your friends. Now, Gunnar said, I'm not telling. I didn't snitch. I didn't tell anything. Don't know anything. Now, Give you a quick rundown on Rico again, you know, because that's my cousin. Rico himself, you don't have to be the one committing a crime. That's fact number one. Now, in Thug's case, they don't believe Thug is committing any crimes. Two, Gunner has <laughs> pled guilty to a crime. Gunner is someone that is close to Thug. Now, what they are saying Thug is doing he is facilitating criminal activity. Gunner is next to Thug, who's, who's now pled guilty as a benefit for the prosecution 
as a criminal. People that are close to Gunner have also sat down and they're looking to take pleas. This is the same thing they did to me. The problem is the people closest to me did not take a plea. Let you know about that later. But anyway, what happens in RICO is they're called predicate crimes. People that are close to Gunner, if they take a plea or are convicted of a crime, they are now part of a criminal enterprise thanks to Gunner's Alfred plea. The prosecution is now using the people around Thug to convict Thug. Yeah, I had to let that sit in for a second because I know most of you are going to miss that. But what happens is his defense attorney has allowed the prosecutor, who's the piranha, to get a win on Thug's watch against his client. Piranha don't eat piranha. Understand what I'm saying to you. The win for a prosecution who has also yet to turn over all of discovery, who has also yet to be sanctioned or even motioned for sanctions to be filed, again, which is also codified in the Georgia Organic Code, and also has yet to have a secondary motion filed for discovery. So whenever I'm talking about this, are we saying that Young Thug is not receiving due process? This is the exact action. Because again, know what I just said. The prosecution doesn't even believe Thug is committing a crime. They believe Thug is facilitating criminal activity. If I give you money and you go out and commit crimes with it, if you go and buy crack with the $20 I give you, I'm technically facilitating criminal activity. But is it now my duty to actually control the money I'm giving you because it's a gift? Because again, if I give you a debit card and you go out and buy sneakers and you're supposed to pay your rent, is that criminal activity? Am I controlling your actions? Yet, I'm criminalizing life by the choice of the prosecution. Yet, I know as a prosecutor, you aren't guilty of a crime. So, I have to create one that you are guilty of to actually move you out the way. What they did was move Gunner off the board and now they're using him against Thug. This is how chess works, people. This is a strategic move. However, Thug doesn't understand all the pieces that he have on the board are not all the same color for him. Those pieces are not working on his behalf. They're not working on his defense. He has no understanding of this. But at the second tier, with the prosecution, the other piranhas are getting ready to feast. Now, if a prosecutor is obligated to choose his cases, it follows he can also choose his defendant. Why would I choose Young Thug in this case? Just to ask a question. Or is it now unheard What do you call the word? What is, or is it unheard of for me to say 13% of the nation is committing 50% of criminal acts? Because the police officers are choosing who's a criminal. The prosecutor is listening to the police officers and then they're choosing 
the defendant. So what if I have a pile of 10 people, right? Ages, races, all types of background, and I'm choosing the ones I want to prosecute. Does it then say to you or register to you if I'm picking my defendants, I'm picking the people I want to criminalize? This comes from discretion. This comes from the reason why I talk about discovery. This has come from why I talk about criminalizing life. This is why <laughs> this is why I talk about the detail. This is also why even in Thug's case, why I say piranha don't eat piranha because there's no reason for Thug's amount of money for him to be actually still sitting in jail, which is also the worst condition jail in the country. Don't believe me? Look it up. Literally look it up. Georgia actually had an entire state trooper class get suspended for cheating. And they rehired all of these cheating, lying bastards that could not pass the test on their own. But see, whenever I say things like this, that's not true. The, the police officers are smart. But then I say Jordan V. Prince, and then I t give you an example of an entire class not passing the actual test. Or I tell you about a friend who went through the actual police officer certification um, course for the six weeks in Georgia, which is also the worst, and them saying, hey, 90% of us should not have passed if we went by the actual guidelines. But then... When I say that this is the worst jail conditions in the country, we forget that we also have a Department of Justice actually saying this exact same thing over a year ago. But you want to attack me because you want to attack the messenger because it's easy. Just like when Kyrie posted about a movie. The movie had been out since 2018. Nobody boycotted the movie in 2018, 19, 20, 21, 22. You boycotted Kyrie. It was actually something that was posted on Amazon. You didn't boycott Amazon. You didn't um, didn't boycott Jeff Bezos. You didn't boycott any of that. You still got packages delivered. But it was easier to boycott Kyrie. So it's easier to come after the messenger and then actually deal with the source. Oh, did I actually talk about that? I think I said something about that. But again... Whenever I talk about going after the police officer, I'm wrong for that. Instead of going to the source. When I talk about going after the prosecutor and forcing them to do the right thing because of their choice, I'm wrong because it's easier to go after the messenger instead of asking for the actual Doing it the right way. Because I asked a police officer one day, why is it a difficult idea or why is it unheard of to ask a police officer to do a job properly?
When I tell you that it is the most dangerous power of the prosecutor that he can will pick people he thinks he should get rather than pick cases that need to be prosecuted. Because that simple choice creates a system of tyranny instead of a system of justice. This is why I talk about the system itself is designed for chaos. Yet intelligent people live in the world of should. I had a conversation with a young lady last night, and every time we talked about something, she talked about should, 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 should. And I told her I don't live in should. I live in reality. Because the reality is police officers choose. The reality is prosecutors choose. So when you're telling me a number about 13% committing 50% of the criminal acts in America. And then I talk about 75% of the time that they're wrong. I talk about 66% of those that are getting off death row is because the choice. And the part of the piranhas. Something with me is wrong instead of the numbers that we're actually looking at. My question to you is, if I'm so ready to apologize or excuse the acts of others, I'm excusing the acts of those that made a conscious choice to serve. You know what it was. A conscious choice to serve. They made a choice. They actually went to school. They got certified. They signed an oath. They signed an oath. They signed an oath to be a servant. They're making a choice not to serve. They signed an oath to be a servant. They're making a choice not to serve. I'm the problem. I get it. Because it's easier to talk about the messenger than it is the actual choice that someone is making that's detrimental. Because I talked about Aaron Dean. Remember Aaron Dean? Aaron Dean actually was the one, is the one that actually went out and murdered the young lady when she was... Just sitting in her house playing with the grandchild. That, literally, that was it. That was it. Her neighbor saw that her door was open. Kind of unusual. Called a non-emergency line. Notice what I just said. Called a non-emergency line. Aaron Dean showed up with three other officers. They parked down the street instead of actually pulling up to the house. Aaron Dean was the only officer to pull his firearm. Aaron Dean, prior to actually yelling freeze when he made contact with the actual homeowner, he shot her through a window and killed her in front of her grandchild. When they was coming just to check and see if she was okay. But whenever I talk about those of Aaron Dean. Something's wrong. But Aaron Dean had issues prior to that the police knew about. Aaron Dean had issues prior to that the prosecution knew about. But did you know it took the prosecution 
force to actually choose to charge someone that had lied in a police report, violated his oath, took someone's life for no reason, didn't follow police procedure. It took a prosecutor force to choose to do the right thing. But we don't fault the prosecutor. We don't fault Aaron Dean. No one's complaining about it. And his trial is going on right now. There's actually a decision that could pop up in the next day or so. But I wonder, did you know that? Because you remember I talked about yesterday, literally, perception. Because the police can't put out that their machine is broken. Their attack dog was off the leash. Because that goes against your perception. Because if we can see one chink in the armor, one ounce of fallibility, then we can actually complain about the actual machine being broken. But we can't have that because then we lose respect for a broken machine. We start looking for a new machine. But see, when we're talking about false statements, most of us didn't know that a false statement, which is a lie in a police report, is a felony and can be punished for up to five years. But a prosecutor had to be forced to even choose to prosecute. But I'm the bad guy. When I say, let's force the prosecutor to give us a fair trial. Let's force the prosecutor to stand up to their choice. Let's force the prosecutor to do what they are written to do. Follow your rules. Because that's what they are. They're the rules for the prosecution. They're the rules for the judges. They're the rules for the criminal defendant. Or defense attorney. They have rules. Why is it I'm a problem? Because I'm asking you to follow the rules you laid out for you. Don't worry about it because you know what that was. But the 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 the, the idea. The idea of wanting or even understanding how to limit the prosecutorial power of choice are likely to be least effective if they are designed actually or look to be enforced by those we're asking to defend us. The United States is building towards creating dependence. They are attacking those things that are masculine. They are attacking those things that are actual independence. Because the one thing that I loved and it was the most <laughs> it was the most eye-opening thing. I was having a conversation with one of my relatives. I'm not going to say her name, but it was kind of kind of funny. She was talking about how she was an independent one. I'm independent. 
Like, don't you rent your house? Yeah, I said, so technically that's not yours, nigga be taken from. I said, aren't you um, making payments on your car? Yeah, but it's mine. No, it's the bank's. Because the bank can come and take it from you. Independent means it's yours and you can't have it taken from you. And she got quiet. And I said, hold on. I said, don't you have to be to work tomorrow at, you know, at 6 a.m.? She said, yeah. I said, so if you don't go to work, I said, somebody tells you when you get up, when to work, when to go to sleep, when... I said, so basically your independence is complete and total dependence. Don't worry about it because the truth just walked in. Because most of us don't even understand what complete choice is. I was watching Andrew Tate today and it was actually hilarious. Because he talked about what true success is. True success, in his words were geographical. The ability to be geographically anywhere at any time for any reason. That's true success. That wouldn't be punching a clock because that's part of the matriotic slave... The, what is that? The matriotic slave trade. If you're punching a clock, you're part of the new slave system. If you are making payments... You are a part of the matriotic slave system because someone can come and take that from you. They can take that job. They can take that car. They can take that house because it's not yours. When you actually have freedom to work when you choose, work how you choose, work where you choose, those are the matriarchs of actual freedom those are the matriarchs of actual independence very few of us actually even think about that because one of the things i actually said during the pandemic and i did i think i did four mass videos one of the videos i spoke about if they want you to wear a mask and you don't want to wear a mask don't patronize them i had people come to me well what if this what if this and i told them i said okay cool Either go somewhere else they don't require it. And I was in Houston. There were several places that did not require a mask because I didn't want to wear one. But those that did require a mask, if I really wanted to give them my money, I went ahead and jumped through their hoops. But again, if I did not want to do that at all, I could have gone somewhere else that didn't require it. Or I could have just grown my own shit. Don't worry about it because all of this ties back into where I'm going with this. Because when we're talking about the actual ideas of the effectiveness of a prosecutor, we're generally told that we have to depend on someone else to speak for us. Because the idea of being a dependent to being illiterate, to being ignorant of actual conversation of law that's why i hated the inclusion of ebonics because you, i now have 40 year old men applying to work you know at places that i i help with the employee and they can't spell probably and the sad part is 
Half of them have no idea what it is when it's in front of them. But then when we go to law, and I talk about Latin in law, you can't find any actual winning papers, motions, that contain Ebonics. They're taking your weapons away and you are allowing to, them to do it through your choice, your discretion. We are in what's called the participation trophy generation. Because just because you're showing up, that's a win. But when I'm criminalizing everything, when we're okay with moralizing murder, when we're going after anybody that speaks out against anything, I'm accepting, I'm accepting my own degradation. I'm participating not in my freedom, I'm participating in my own imprisonment. When you're allowing someone else to speak for you and not understanding that you are the boss, the defense attorney is only applying your strategy or the strategy you are allowing them to apply. It's your choice or as or as it was put in the Supreme Court case, it's your prerogative. You can do what you want to do. It's your prerogative. Shout out to Bobby Brown because you have to understand the police officer's making a choice. The prosecutor's making a choice. And even when you're allowing it and not understanding how to limit the prosecutorial powers of their choice, you are in effect making a choice because no choice is also a choice. When you are choosing to let someone speak for you, you are allowing another piranha to participate in your degradation. What this does is it exacerbates the public passions or it plays into public hysteria. You're either going to be deemed crazy because you understand your role. You're either going to be deemed crazy because you are actually understanding that they have rules and they actually do have limitations. The limitations you apply to them. But if it's not done properly, it's also your choice to let it keep going. Now, one of the things I did, I actually I watched this because I um, I was reading through some articles, and one of the things that I actually enjoyed because I talk about again, you're being part of the problem or you're being part of the solutions. One of the things that I talked about or I actually liked in this article was they came up with a solution, but it also talks about another thing I speak of, and it's talking about the cost. How much freedom can you afford? Because freedom isn't free by any stretch of the imagination. You're either going to spend time and you're going to spend money or you're going to spend both. Right? Because if you don't go out and care about you, 
No one else is. Because that was the whole thing I stood on during the RICO trial. My grandmother kept telling them, get, a, get, get you an attorney, get you an attorney. I was like, one, grandma, uh, no one loves me like me. So when no one's going to defend me like me. And at that point, no one did defend me like me. That's why I was able to make history. Now, what they talked about was the bearing of cost of a defense. Now, here's where I actually enjoyed this because, again, it's the prosecutor's choice to prosecute. You can actually hold them liable, you know, through malicious prosecution and other federal means. But one of the suggestions was actually at the state level. And it talked about, again, just like understanding the maneuver that happened in Young Thug's case with Gunner. Most prosecutions accept a win. A win is being forced on them simply why they don't want one. They don't want to go to court because they lose 76% of the time. So that means they only win 24% of the time. So they're putting the pressure on themselves or having pressure put on them to get W's. How do they get the W's? They accept plea bargains. You know, pay the fine and you don't have to worry about it. Except this Alfred plea, you don't have to worry about it. Because I'm going to use this Alfred plea against someone else. Because you don't have to worry about it. Now... When you're talking about this, what makes this worse by the modern tendency of prosecutors to overcharge with the extensive kitchen sink indictments. Now, give you an example because that was actually one of the defenses I used because my brother's attorney wanted to add a secondary or lesser inclusive. Don't worry about it because I'm going to get into that word charge to our already, you know, 108 indictment charge, charge indictment, 108 um, indictment charges, right? Which was like seven or eight pages. She wanted to add, a, and I'm like, nah, we'll leave it overcharge. And this was the one time me and John Melvin actually agreed. No, we're going to leave. He didn't use the word overcharge. I did because that's exactly what it was. But they'll actually overcharge you. Why? Because they don't need 108 to convict me on. They just need one. That's a win. Here's the here's what makes it ugly because even with Young Thug, I actually went back and it's he has 28 defendants, right? That's a big cut from where it was because it was it was in the high 30s. He had 56 charges. It's now 63. Gunner is accepting a deal. Thug now is a guilty of at least one charge. Because Gunner is right next to Thug. They only need one. Understand the context of what this is. That plea bargain, what they're doing, again, with the tactics... They'll tell you all kind of crazy things. Well, I'll I'll throw in extra charges. That's overcharging you. That's throwing in the kitchen sink. Because remember, everything they charge you with, even you ready for it? Contempt of court. That is a charge. 
Guess what that now has enacted? You have the right to confront your accusers. They must have proof of this contempt of court. There must be, again, a already prearranged agreement. Whoops. I think I talked about that before because whenever I said that, most people were like, that is not true. Yet, whenever I gave you cases and cases and cases and cases and cases, it got quiet. I heard, I heard crickets. Let me take another sip of that yet because I want you to catch on to that too. Ah, that's hitting just right. Because again, most of you don't understand this is chess. Having Gunner take a plea was a chess move because at, even as, as one criminal defense attorney said, Gunner was a pawn that they're using to just clear the way for Thug. They know who they're going after. They know why they want him off the board. We don't know why, but they know why they want him off the board. Because remember I said, and they've actually said in open, in, during the press conference, we don't believe those committed a crime. However, we think he's facilitating these crimes or criminal activity, whatever the hell that is. A prosecutor's count on the fact that when a defendant faces a hundred felony charges, 108, the prospect that a jury might go along with even one of them. What did I just, what did I just say? Because keep in mind, I'm also reading this. But, but, but what did I just say? 108 charges, all they needed was one. Prosecutors count the fact that when a defendant faces 100 felony charges. Damn, this mom must be talking about me. Anyway, the prospect that a jury might go along with even one of them will be enough to make a plea deal look attractive. Hold on, I want you to understand something. So Gunner's looking at 60 plus charges. And they tell him, hey man. Hey man. You remember that one? We might we might get that 2016 case open. We might be able to do this. You know, Minority Report, they Tom cruising him. Using the precogs to figure out if he's going to commit a crime or not. The thing is, the reason why they allowed him to take the deal, even Gunner, Gunner took a deal because he was scared. Regardless of what it is. It was fear, and he's looking that he could possibly go ahead and make a little money. That's what the deal. He he, he I I can possibly if I can't make moves while I'm in jail. Let me get out and make a couple moves. Now, if that's the case, Gunner has to be moving at a certain means right now. But one of the things he talked about was to make sure that there was no damage to his reputation because that's exactly what a plea deal does. It damages your reputation because now every time if Gunner forbid has to go back into the workforce for whatever reason, he doesn't have any wherewithal because he has a felony conviction say that one more time he has a felony conviction that he accepted he convicted himself
But here's the cra crazy part. In a prosecutor's discretion to actually even follow up or even charge you or even overcharge you, there's no consequence if they are overcharging you if you don't force it. Hold on, I'm gonna let you catch on to that again. And I actually should have took a sip of my yak, but I want you to understand something. You have no clue. It's not our darkness that we fear the most. It's our light. Most of us will sit in mediocrity. We'll sit and accept something because if the second we look for change or look for greater, that means we can no longer accept what our life has been. Most people have no clue of why the studio is like it is, why I decided 25 um, podcasts for any. Most, I can't continue to accept that condition I was in. I could not accept the fact that I'm not producing at the rate I feel I should be doing. I should be at a different level because I am different. I'm built different, so I should be receiving different. I should also be blessing different. But that's what happens. I allow my light to shine because I know who my father is. I'm going to let y'all catch that later because many of you also know that I've also I've been up in the pulpit because I know who my father is. But anyway, when we're talking about this, whenever I say you're the most powerful person in the courtroom, State prosecutors are often elected by you. Their boss is the governor and the state's attorney general because they have to account to the public's relations. I'm going to say that one more time. State prosecutors are elected by you. So as a defendant, the prosecutor works for you. You are hiring your defense attorney. So the defense attorney works for you. I actually just did that. McCoy v. Louisiana. It's your prerogative. You choose. And even if you lose and you go against that defense attorney, was it called? Ineffective assistance because they are your assistant. Whoops. Police officers take an oath to be your fiduciary. They are working towards your benefit. Whoops. So that means the police officer works for you, the prosecution works for you, the defense attorney works for you. Aren't judges elected? Aren't judges then appointed by those that are elected? I tell you what, this Hennessy today is absolutely delectable. It's delicious right now. I just, because I want you to understand what it is that I'm saying to you. Because here's the thing. I had a young man a couple months back. He actually wanted to take the entire district attorney's office to court and I told him prior to him filing they're going to throw it out he said why 
Now I'm going to read this. You ready? The prosecutorial office cannot be held liable for the illegal actions of one of the associates. Say that one more time. You cannot take the office. You cannot take the office to court for the illegal action of one associate. However, you can sue that person in their individual capacity and their direct supervisor. Hence, the prosecutor and the DA. You can sue them in their individual capacity because the DA has to sign off with that prosecutor chooses to prosecute. Uh-oh, there's that discretion word again. There's that dis but 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 see I'm the one that, that I'm I'm just I'm just speaking out my ass. I'm not I'm not saying anything wrong. I'm just talking about my opinion. Yet it's written. I've actually said this literally for years now. There's no swing. Do you understand why there's no swing in the words that I say? It's because it's written. It's not written in, in my book. It's written in law books. You know, those things that we used to actually be able to physically touch. Now we just actually look at them on our computers, on our phones, on our tablets. You know, those things that we used to have to blow the dust off of. That actually hurt our back when we went to and from school with them in backpacks. Now, we got things that they used the word like paper-like instead of actual paper. Isn't that amazing? But understand... These aren't my words. These are the words they must follow. This is law. This is why whenever I, you see one of my little little ads or posts and it has real law, that's exactly what this is. This is why I don't have to change any of the things I say because it has been written. That's why when all these people, well, you, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, neither are they. They haven't done anything. 90% of the people that actually come back and say that what I've said is wrong or have done is wrong, they've done nothing. But again, that goes back to the point of they have to now justify why their life is so bad. Because their mind has been opened by listening to me. They had to change the ideals and their perception. And with a change of perception, they can no longer go back to being the person they were prior to hearing me. The truth hurts when it hits you. When your eyes are actually open, that's why a lot of them wear shades. Because that's, that light is so bright. That, that, this little light of mine. Understand, when I'm talking about this, I'm going through this and I'm giving you something that most people will never get in their entire life. Just like I told you yesterday, I'm not for everybody. This isn't for everybody. This isn't the action of somebody that needs to fit in. I'm not giving you things that make you want to feel cozy inside. I'm not going to speak to you softly. I'm not Lauren Hill. I want you to understand. If we have to do a comparison for you, go with Jada Kiss. Open your mind so you can then be free. Yes, 
Jadakiss said that. Open your mind so you can then be free. You have to do something first in order for something else to happen. You can no longer be who you were yesterday. Everything is about kasen, being better than you were yesterday. Because yesterday I talked about something. Today I'm giving you something else. I'm expounding on yesterday. Today's conversation is elevated from yesterday's. Am I still talking about what happened yesterday? Absolutely. But am I progressing from what happened yesterday? Absolutely. Because this isn't about a yesterday podcast. This is about your defense tomorrow and 10 years from now. I'm building the next generation. Understand this is something that's not only necessary now, this is the necessary beginning of change. Now, I had I had someone ask me literally yesterday, what would you do? And I actually told her, I said, well, I'm a horrible person to ask because I'm a hammer. Everything to me looks like a nail. But I'm not going to be your friend. I'm not going to talk to you nicely. I deal with expectation management because I want you to understand you're not going to win every battle. That would be the utmost foolish thing that you could ever think because you're forcing the correction in a machine that is designed to be bad. The machine itself is bad that you're entering into. You're facing monsters. You have now stepped into a chamber in which you must become a monster. You must be willing to do whatever it takes to get whatever it is that you are looking for. Because if you aren't, they're going to pick at it. Why? Because they made the choice with the police officer. They followed up that choice with the choice of the prosecutor. And they're watching your every move because depending on how you move will dictate their actions. You know, because I talk about this thing called chess. I talk about this thing called chess. And most people don't like the fact that I talk about it. Because talking about it, it means that something else has to happen. Me saying it means I have to do something different. I have to be better. I have to see better. I have to believe better. But when we're talking about the challenge, we talk about the decision that a prosecutor makes to charge a person criminally should itself undergo some degree of due process scrutiny. But the simple fact that most people don't even want to challenge the ideas of what a prosecutor can and cannot do is unfathomable to me. This is what the outcry for a change is targeting. It's not only policing that needs the changing. I want to say that one more time. This is what the outcry for judicial change is for. It's not only the police department that needs changing. 
It's not only neighborhood policing that needs changing. It's not only police choices that need changing. Because it's not only police that get to decide to exercise discretion. Because a grand jury has seen as the major bar to prosecutorial overreaching. Right? Because most people want, I've actually, it's, to me, it's unfathomable, but I, I get it. I get it. People want to tell their side at a grand jury. Now, it can work. Not often, but it can. Because some people are very good storytellers. Now, if I was sitting up in a spot and I had a person that came to me as a client and would say, hey, should I testify at the grand jury for my prosecution? If it's Dave Chappelle, absolutely, because he's a great storyteller. He's believable. He even understands how to answer questions. Notice I said he understands how to answer questions. But again, he's a great storyteller, so he can also relate to the jury because he's been poor. He is also very rich. So he has a wide gambit of people that he can relate to. He can have a conversation with those that are in the hood. He can also have a conversation that those that believe they're in the upper echelons. He can also be believed. He can also be related to. I'd give that a shot. Because again, he's a great storyteller. The average person? No, not, not a chance. Not a chance. You better off with the. You better off just taping your hands up and going to fight fight Floyd Mayweather. Going to get you a couple bucks because this is about to hurt. But the aphorism that a prosecutor can persuade a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich is something that, or a piece of paper that was actually what was used, you know, in 2012. That. A prosecutor can indict a piece of paper because, again, you don't need any evidence during a grand jury and it means nothing. Now, just to give you an idea, I was not privy to the amount of times they actually took um, a case to a grand jury to indict Young Thug. However, it took, I want to say John Melvin, three times, four times, the fourth time, fourth time was a charm. For time to find 15 people to give him a true bill of indictment against myself and um, two of my brothers, which was actually more than that. But um, it took four, four times to get a true bill. So he had to assemble 15 people four times before he actually got an indictment at a grand jury. Now, the reason why I even brought that up was because if he can indict a grand, uh, ham sandwich or a piece of paper or however you want to put that. Why was it so difficult to indict someone for Rico? Uh oh, I almost opened a can of worms. Don't worry about it. Because we're going we're gonna to circle back at some point. But then here's the next question. Why would I not then want to challenge someone that can't even persuade people with no evidence that I was guilty of something? 
Because he's got to get 12. I need one. Say that one more time. He's got to get 12 and he loses 26, 24%. He only wins 24% of the time. He loses 76% of the time. He's got to get 12. Have you ever convinced 12 people of anything at any time for any reason? Don't worry about it. Especially when they didn't want to be there. Don't worry about it. We'll get to that anyway. But one of the things that it does, grand jurors are not constitutionally guaranteed at the state level. Did you know that? The grand jury is only guaranteed or constitutionally guaranteed on federal indictments. So that's why when I give you that 2.3 million and 840,000 in jails right now in our jailing system, therefore the simple fact not being able to afford bail, not that they've been convicted, but just waiting on bail so they can go to court. It's because they don't have to be indicted and nobody's forcing it. The outcry for change is not just for the police. The outcry for change is for the entire system itself. So when we're looking at one side and we don't have to have to present evidence, only ideas, it's amazing because it's not a guarantee at the state level. Because Breonna Taylor case had multiple other cops not being indicted by but found guilty in federal court for department violations and other civil liberties. Because the grand jury isn't required at the state level. And even in that, it's the prosecutor at the state level's discretion. They get to choose Who's the defendant? And the problem stems from a dynamic in which those charged with crimes have a lot of risk. And prosecutors, prosecutors seemingly have complete immunity. But that's why I'm going to talk about harmless error. The absolute immunity of prosecutors, like the absolute immunity of judges, is a judicial invention. I'm going to say that one more time because I want you to understand words have power. The absolute immunity of prosecutors, like the absolute immunity of judges, is a judicial invention. It's not law. There is no law that says you can't choose or sue a prosecutor. Because I actually just talked about malicious prosecution because that is law, not the bullshit that you get from immunity from prosecution. And there's also a... A statute I gave, a federal statute, which I talked about, judges lose their immunity. Because there is a means for accountability, but it goes back to what I said literally about 15, 20 minutes ago. How much justice can you afford? Because you're going to spend time or money or both. Justice is not free. Freedom is not free. 
What are you willing to sacrifice to get to where you're trying to get to? Because even in United States v. Cox, 1965, the constitutional requirement of an indictment has for its primary purpose the protection of the individual from jeopardy except on a finding of probable cause by a group of his fellow citizens and is designed to afford a safeguard against oppressive actions of the prosecutors or a court. Now, why would they use oppressive actions of the prosecutor? Because it's the prosecutor who is making a conscious choice not to participate in due process. It's the prosecutor who is feeding into the judicial bias of a judge to convict based on revenue that I've talked about for years. Now, at some point, if I'm choosing who's committing crime and I'm choosing who my defendants are, why would I not think that there are, there's a judicial bias already in place? Especially when we talk about the actual statutes that are available at the state level for actually being overcharged. And the majority of those getting out is because of ineffective assistance of counsel because one of the solutions and I thought this was actually a great thing the prosecution should be required to pay a defendant's legal fees if he or she is not convicted why because the prosecutor is the one who is exercising discretion to make that person the defendant because, again, you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. If you're looking for actual justice, why would you only prosecute those that didn't have means to protect themselves? You would actually prosecute those that were criminals. So that 76% losing would actually go up. Oh, like the feds. <sighs> yes, that was a dramatic sigh. The federal government actually has the highest conviction rate because most of the time when you see them, they've already got you. But do you understand that they're not just picking people up just because? They've got probable cause generally from years they're not just acting because. They don't just do things willy-nilly or at random. They actually follow procedure. That's why you don't beat them. It's the attorneys at the state level that don't win in court because they're criminalizing everything. But we're going to get into that. But I, I love that idea because now instead of someone going out and wondering how much justice or freedom I can afford, it becomes exponential because it's like putting your money in a savings account because it comes back. If the prosecution who chooses to prosecute you doesn't, 
find you guilty of a crime. I like that. Because then it becomes an option of prosecutorial accountability. You know, the one thing that most Americans don't want, because if I'm accountable for my actions, then I have to actually answer for most of the stupidity that I take part in. No one wants that. But understand the context. It's just one of those things to which you're actually wanting to just say, you know what? Yes, this is this is the thing that um that I want. Because if I'm moving forward with a consciousness of knowing if I lose, it's going to cost me money. If I lose, it's going to cost my job. If I lose, there's a consequence for my action. That's accountability. The problem is, why would you then be upset with the messenger? Now, here's another one that I actually love. It's you know, a less dramatic option, but it would be the required um, prosecution's plea and their offers to be presented to a jury or judge prior to the conviction, before sentencing, and seeing what they believe is fair. Because again, when you're doing this presentation with this plea, is it acceptable? Because if someone actually stood up and had to kind of maneuver against Gunner's Alfred plea in Thug, um, Young Thug's case, what would be the question they ask? Most of us have no idea what that next question would be. But if I'm a prosecutor and I'm giving him this Alfred plea, I would then have to show my hand. As to why I offered him this Alfred plea. And I would have to do this to a judge or in front of a jury. And I would have to accept their acceptance or denial of this agreement. Now, I am going to go into partially that is done. Because the judge has to quote unquote accept it and they have the discretion not to accept it however comma we're playing to the again what i talked about was they're playing to the bias of the actual judge in this matter or that they're standing in front of so i don't like that one as much but again when we're talking about problems we're talking about you're either part of them or you are part of the solution Offering a solution at all is looking for a solution. Acceptance is never an option. 